Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 10 of Revelation chapter 22. And we're going to be reading verse 7. Behold... I come quickly, blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And we read this and and we wonder, well, how can God make this kind of a statement? Because we understand that uh, the book of Revelation was completed in the first century A.D. The Bible was completed at the time the book of Revelation was completed, in the first century A.D., and we're presently living in the 21st century A.D., 20 centuries later, almost 2,000 years. And what is being referenced here is the return of the Lord in judgment upon the world, and the very end of the world, the destruction of the world. These things uh, will take place when Christ comes. Now, it so happens that where we're living at in time, in history, is um, the time of the judgment of God. Christ has come as a thief in the night on May 21, 2011, to bring judgment to the nations of the world. But that judgment is not complete. It will be completed on the last day when God destroys the world and creates a new heaven and new earth. And and, and so, uh, although God has come, Christ has come as judge, still there's an element of his coming that has not taken place. Yet, we still wonder, um, May 21, 2011 is still hundreds and hundreds of years from the point in time that God uh, moved the Apostle John to write these words, Behold, I come quickly. How can God say that? Well, God makes a similar statement earlier in the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 2, in Revelation 2, and in this passage, he's addressing the church of Ephesus. But we always have to keep in mind that each one of the addresses to the seven churches actually are an address to the entire church body, the, the whole corporate church. Because in verse 7 of Revelation 2, God um, says, He that hath an ear, let him hear. What the Spirit saith unto the churches. And that's the same statement made at the end of each one of the addresses to each of the seven churches. It's not just the church of Ephesus or the church of Philadelphia or Thyatira. It is the things God is saying is addressed to the churches. And here's what God said in um, Revelation 
2, verses 4 and 5. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. And uh, we, we can see it, it's the same statement. It's using the same Greek words. I will come quickly. I will come unto thee quickly. And when God comes quickly to the church, it is in judgment. And the judgment will be the removal of the candlestick out of his place. That is, the light of the gospel shine forth within the churches and congregations because Christ was in the midst, the Spirit of God was in the midst of the church. But when Christ comes quickly because they've sinned and they need to repent and they haven't repented, then he will take away the candlestick. It's the same idea as a little further on in Revelation 2, in verse 20. God here is addressing the church of Thyatira, but again, it's to all the churches. And he's describing their sins of suffering the woman Jezebel to teach and to seduce his servants to commit fornication. And then he says in verse 21, I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. That's a similar idea to what the Lord said to the church in Ephesus. You have to repent, or I'll come quickly. And and here, he's given space to repent, but she repents not. Then verse 22 says, Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation. Now these are using different figures and and different words, but saying the same thing spiritually. Uh, Casting into great tribulation is... The same thing as taking away the candlestick. They occurred at the same time, the end of the church age. They are looking at the same judgment, when judgment begins at the house of God, and it's the same result. No more light of the gospel, no more salvation within the churches and congregations. But going back to Revelation 2, 5, I will come unto thee quickly, and remove thy candlestick, except thou repent. And once again, we we know that Jesus was saying this in the first century. And it wasn't until the year 1988, over 1900 years later, that he finally did come at the end of the church age and remove the candlestick. The Holy Spirit came out of the midst and the churches no longer had the light of truth. And and that began the judgment process at the end of the world, starting with the house of God. But how can 1955 years of a church age, or or over 1900 years since the book of Revelation, or, or uh, near there, uh, how can that be considered quickly? I'll come unto thee quickly. Now, as we uh, look at God, we know he's eternal and he has a different perspective of things and he's outside of time 
And some people say that, well, that's what it means. And they, they might, um, refer to the verse that says one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. So a couple thousand years to God is just like a couple of days. And so it's quickly to him. But that's not really the idea. When God says, I come quickly, what he means, when after we consider all that the Bible is saying about that, what is in view is that it means at the soonest possible instant. And in order for Christ to come and remove the candlestick, first, there had to be given the space to repent the whole period of the church age, 1955 years. That was according to God's own timetable. He could not come in uh, the year 1000 or the year 1500 or 1800. There was a, a precise set time and and once that set time for the church age passed, once it elapsed, then at that exact moment, Christ came, the Holy Spirit left the congregations, Christ came in judgment, he came as a thief upon the church, and they were unaware of his coming. He came quickly according to the timetable of God. That is, it wasn't as though the time that God had set uh, of May 21, 1988, came, and and God did nothing uh, for a while, uh, even though he could have. No, he came quickly. The, the exact point in time, as soon as the time expired and was filled up for the church age and all the first fruits to come in, then... Jesus came as the judge of the church. And that's the same idea, exactly what's in view with Revelation 22, 7. Behold, I come quickly. But in this case, in Revelation 22, it's referring to the judgment on the world, not the judgment on the churches. Even though the church is a part of the world and experiences the judgment along with the world, the focus is on the whole world, the whole kingdom of darkness. And and God likewise comes quickly in the sense that the judgment of Christ coming as a thief in the night takes place at the soonest possible minute, the soonest possible moment. And, and this would require from the point that God is moving John to record these things in the first century AD for the church age to transpire for almost 2,000 years to go by, then for the great tribulation to uh, be worked out, which was 23 years exactly, May 21, 1988, through May 21, 2011, and then Immediately after the tribulation, we read in Matthew twenty four twenty nine, the sun is darkened, the moon no longer gives its light, and the stars fall from heaven. It's judgment day. Christ comes 
quickly. He doesn't delay. He doesn't wait for a week after the tribulation or a month after or a year after. He comes immediately after the tribulation because it is now time and there's no hesitation. There's, there's no delay of any kind. He comes quickly according to the timetable, the set timetable of God's program of times and seasons. He comes at the earliest possible moment. He could not have come as judge of the world. At any other point, it had to be the appointed day of judgment, May 21, 2011. And, and now we understand, oh, okay, it, it, God is just using this language to let us know that he's not going to, as we would say, mess around once everything is in place, once the uh, time schedule has been met, then God acts. And that's what he's been doing since May 21, 2011. He has acted. Christ came as a thief. And now we're going through the day of judgment and the completion of Judgment Day will be the destruction of the world and, as it were, the finishing of Christ's coming. All right, let's let's go on and read the rest of verse 7. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And as we noted last time, the, the word sayings is the Greek word logos, which means word. Blessed is he that keepeth the words of the prophecy of this book. The, the commandments of God, the, the scriptures, as it says in Second Peter, in Second Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The Bible, the whole Bible, is called the prophecy. And, and that's another reason why when God's people speak forth, declare the sayings of the Bible, the words of the Bible, that we are prophesying. We're sharing prophecy. And, and, and so, uh, Christ, um, God moving John says to us in this verse, blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And that's how the book of Revelation began. Back in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. Uh, that's uh, rewording it. But it's saying it in, uh, it's saying the same thing. 
Blessed is the individual that keeps the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And who is it that keeps the sayings of the prophecy of the Bible? Well, Christ, number one, was faithful and he he kept the law of God perfectly and and so his righteousness is imputed to all the people of God but more than that God gives those that he saves a new heart and a new spirit which is without sin and and so they keep the law of God or the sayings of the prophecy of this book perfectly after salvation in their soul existence and and uh, so they're they're blessed uh, they they have already been saved and a uh, blessing from god um, this is the blessing even life forevermore we read in the psalms well uh, another verse an interesting verse is in revelation 14 in the context of judgment day as it speaks of the cup of wrath in verse 10, it says, The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up for ever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast in his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. There God is talking about the final judgment of mankind, and, and there's no question about that. And then he says in verse 12, Here is the patience of the saints. And why here? Well, we never knew previously, before judgment day came, but now that we're living God's elect are living on the earth in the day of judgment and God has opened up further information to our understanding to um, discern the righteous judgment of God we're able to see exactly what this verse means as God is testing and trying each individual professed child of God or true believer since May 21, 2011, since we've entered into the spiritual judgment, and it, it's a matter of patience. In your patience, possess ye your souls, and patience has to do with faithfully waiting on God, that enduring sound doctrine unto the end. And, and, and so this whole period of a likely 1,600 days which breaks down to 40 times 40, the 40, the number of testing, is a trial of faith and patience with the teachings of the Bible, with the doctrines of the Bible. Will the child of God maintain and endure and continue to uphold the teaching of the end of the church age? If May 21, 2011, outwardly, looks like it wasn't correct and and we can see how many have fallen at that point and renounce the biblical calendar of history and and turn away from that and go back to church they have not um been patient they they have not 
exercise patience of the saints. And yet the true believer, the true child of God, one of God's elect, one of the saints judging the world with him, does wait on the Lord. He continues to wait, continues to trust the Bible, because God has given him eyes to see and a spirit to discern both time and judgment. He begins to understand the spiritual nature of Judgment Day and so forth, which uh, aids him in patiently waiting on the Lord. And it goes on to say here in verse 12, Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Here are they that keep the sayings of this book. In other words, they keep the commandments of God. That that is their endurance. That that is what they are enduring in. As that verse in Matthew 24 says, the, the one that endures to the end shall be saved. In judgment day, God's people are uh, steadfast, unmovable. They are attached to the word of God. They do not go back from it. They do not falter from it because God upholds them. God is keeping them in their keeping of his commandments. And and so this brings God glory. This is the glory that God speaks of in tribulation. And, and in this time period, it is that glory that uh, greatly glorifies him that his people are waiting like Job as Job is an example of of patience and suffering affliction and of course a type of the Lord Jesus Christ Job was suffering and suffering and Job's friends were were coming up with various reasons that were not true according to the Bible they did not apply to Job and and so that was a form of affliction to Job. Here he was um, experiencing these things, and and those around him uh, did not understand his situation. And and so God gives us the example of Job and of the prophets uh, of enduring hardship and and continuing to trust the Bible as Job. Um, did not curse God. He he refused to do that, but rather bless God in his affliction. And God's people uh, have been brought through a situation where outwardly it, it seemed as though uh, things went wrong, and yet in in point of truth, it was just God testing them, trying them putting them through a spiritual fire to see how they would react. Would they be gold, silver, precious stones and come through and thereby uh, keep the sayings of this book? Or would they burn up like wood, hay, and stubble by going away and turning back from the sayings of this book? And, of course, every one of God's elect passes through the fire and comes out the other side and and that's our hope right now that October 7th 2015 
that that date, which is the 1600th day from May 21, 2011, will be the time of coming out through the fire and and entering into the glorious new heaven and new earth. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.